Good day, good afternoon, good whenever it is you are listening to this. Thank you very much for listening to this. You are checking out yet another Woke and Bake slash streaming service and chill. And today's feature is available on Netflix right now. It's Uncut Gems, which is the title of a movie and not a circumcision joke. All right, this is a 2019 American crime thriller directed by the Safidi Brothers, starring Adam Sandler, Kevin Garnett as Kevin Garnett, Lakeith Stansfield, and Adina Menzel. Next week, we'll be diving into Jeffrey Epstein, Filthy Rich, and we will be joined by comedian slash singer slash actress slash educator of children, Nikki Stein. All right, before I let you guys go, or gals or others, Coming up very, very soon, we'll be diving into Money Pit, which is a fan request, so a shout-out to Brett in Wisconsin for uh, this one. It's Money Pit, starring Chet Hankstad and Shelley Long, who is best known for her 1995 geriatric sex masterpiece. The Brady Bunch movie. And its 1996 sequel. Links and show notes are in the description. All right, ladies, gents, others, thank you very much for your time. Have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful evening. Have a wonderful whenever it is you are listening to this. And I look forward to hearing back from you and hear some of your suggestions. All right, have a great one. This particular episode was recorded over Zoom because Jake is, uh, he's feeling a little bit under the weather. Uh, a Rona-esque? Rona-esque. Rona-esque? I don't, he's something. However you feel when you think you have coronavirus, but you're scared to get tested. Whatever, whatever you are when you're that, that's what Jake is. And so we told him to stay home. And so we have this gem, this very cut gem, an edited gem that is also not a circumcision joke, uh, right here. Right here, right now. All right, thanks. Uh, Thanks to Jacob for participating in this particular podcast, a.k.a. Siri and Jake Thompson. Thank you for stealing your daughter's laptop in order to do this with us. You're a gem. All right, ladies, gents, others, have a great day. It's still saying you're at the start. Can you hear us? Yeah. See, there's even like an international. Yeah, we got you. There we go. I'm on my daughter's computer. This is like the most like, I I don't know. Like, I don't know, like as a father, if there's really anything worse you can do to your child than be like, I need your computer. I have to talk to people about movies. Also, I don't know how to uh, work it. <laughs> mm. Also, and then I also stole my it's my son's headphones. Out. So, like, I've just taken it. I've taken all of my children. Ah, so, how are you, man? You know, um, I honestly, I'm, like, I feel pretty good. Uh, I know I am a little bit of a hypochondriac, so that plays into it, but, like, uh, the weird, like, losing my sense of taste, and, like, that's kind of, like, all the rage, um, or yeah. one of all the things, and, like, I kind of I eat a lot of, like, sour gummy worms, so I was like, maybe that's it, but it's like, well, what is it, like, three days now or something? 
I, I like, but your, I don't know. I'm gonna your internet hasn't gotten much better. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, dude. You're, you're, you're breaking up all over the place. So it, it really does feel like we're almost interviewing someone from 1998. <laughs> like, I want to talk to you about what's, what's going to happen with, uh, with Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. Uh, like, this is what's going to happen five years from that. Um, I think Obama is going to win the election. Eh, I don't know. I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to stick. I, I wouldn't put my money on John McCain and Sarah. That was not where I would put, um, put my money. Ronald Reagan is the actor. <laughs> Let, this, there's gotta be, I, I'm, I'm thinking this might be more of a process. I mean, I have pretty sweet internet here. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, it only took me 30 minutes to figure out the microphone. Let me see what doing. All right. So how about we try this? All right. We're going to, we're, we're going to talk. We're just going to dive into, uh, into uncut gems. All right. Let's just let's just dive into it, man, and just get to going. Is I don't know how long I'm going to have you, and I don't want to I don't want to get sad with your 1998 processing speeds. <laughs> What's going to be funny if it's actually you guys? Yeah, like everything's good on this end, but let's see, I'll oh, see you. I'm leaving you. What was that? How, how do we sound on your end? Um, for the most part, you guys come in rather well. Um, you, uh, you very pixelated. I mean, I look freaking fabulous, but let me try maybe a different view. Might be this end. Just popped up that our internet connection's unstable. Yeah, see? Look at it. Yeah. So... So let's just chop up this this wicked and let's not assign blame. Um, let us not assign blame. Uh, Uncut Gems is a 2019 American crime thriller film directed by Josh and Benny Safidi. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Who co-wrote the screenplay with Ronald Bronstein? The film stars Adam Sandler as Howard Ratner a Jewish jeweler and gambling addict in New York's Diamond District who must retrieve an expensive gem he purchased to pay off his debts. film also stars Kevin, Gar Kevin Garnett. So it's an all-American story. Basically, yeah. Yes. Uh, I mean, who hasn't done that? Idina Menzel. And in post-production, I'll probably throw in uh, John Travolta's pronunciation of her name from the Oscars. Uh, Lakeith Stansfield, Julia Fox, and Eric Bogosian. Bogosian. I've never, I don't know this actor, but Eric Bogosian. We're just going to call him Bogosian. Uh, filming took place from September to November 2018, and the original score was composed by Daniel Lopatin. Lopatin? I think so. Uh, 103 point never or something. 103 point never is his, uh, artist's name. Okay. Um, so first off, uh, you on the, on the end with the uh, 98 dialogue. 
I love that there's that this this is what the coronavirus is doing to us. It's making us it's forcing us to broadcast with people who are like two miles away, like they're on fucking Mars. <laughs> I um, because no, for real. If we had like a tin can and two strings, it would go better. <laughs> you know, the thing, you, I think we're close enough to each other in proximity that like we could probably do that with a shoestring or something. It would take a little while, but it, it might be better. And maybe that's how we do it in the future. I could write notes, fold them into paper airplanes and like just toss them over. Why have we not tried this? <laughs> not yet. So, um, yeah, what are what were your thoughts on the movie? You know, uh, oh, I got mixed reviews, honestly. Okay. What um, my myself personally, it was like there wasn't a single likable character in the movie. <laughs> there was no one in this movie that I was like, you know what, I like this person. I hope everything works out well for them. Uh, not a single person. I almost wondered if that was on purpose. I'm 100% certain it was on purpose. We are, like, as individuals, we are, we are somebody's anti-hero. Like, as people, there's, there's always somebody who holds something against you, and they're gonna, that's going to be their, their burning in their soul. Like, and that's going to be your worst moment is how they remember you. Um, and we are seeing everybody in this film at their absolute worst moment at that point that they've already broken. <laughs> awesome. So one of the great things about uh, cinema like this uh, is that it, you know, everyone's a bad guy. There's no one, there was no one in this film who was clean and, and without flaws and was kind and right and doing all of the right things all of the time. Um, you know, there were, I mean, there were lots of people that were being manipulated, some much more than others. Um, Adam Sandler was certainly not a good guy. But what's really cool about this film was like that, that DLC game that we talk about replacing actors with actors. Adam Sandler has been doing this long enough and so, roles that we could put Happy Gilmore or Billy Madison in this movie and, and replace um, the, the, the character of um, Howard Ratner. So you replace him with, yeah, Happy Gilmore. Why not? I think you grabbed the Adam Sandler from Overboard. Oh, geez. No, that's a good one. That's a really, really good one. You're... Um, you know, like young Adam Sandler pre Saturday Night Live doesn't he's he's like he's like eight pounds nine ounce Jesus from Talladega Nights. Shout out to the Orchid Theater, um, Talladega Nights. You know, it's like the I really needed the money. That was the kind of role for Overboard. You know, he was he was a kid. He was a kid who wanted to make movies. And you know what? Maybe maybe that's where the Adam Sandler story ends. Maybe that's like the first time he sacrificed someone. <laughs> you know, I, I think that's like, there's a weird part of me that thinks like he had to give a hand job to get that role. Like it, that's, that's how desperate he was. Just, just give me anything. And some guy comes along, probably a Harvey Weinstein. 
ish character and is like, I've got a script called Overboard. You're going to be great in it. It'll be the thing that launches you into greatness far, far more than, you know, like they're all going to laugh at you. In fact, when you do this, this is how you get to, to reach out and touch the mute uh, over somebody else's mute. It's going to make you a gigantic star, but it's going to be the thing that springboards you. Um, and you're also going to have to do, um, you might have to do some movies along the way. Uh, movies that are terrible remakes of better films that you've made you made ten years before with the same actress, uh, just for plot reprising roles in different positions and places, um, and never ever give us a sequel to Fifty First Dates, <laughs> which sucks because that for <laughs> I love like I this made me really like appreciate Adam Sandler uh, as an actor. Um, I, I haven't seen Punch Drunk Love, so I haven't seen him in, in that sort of uh, a very heavy, uh, dramatic, emotional role. I'm used to, I'm I'm used to him being like a like a, a, a guy who loves his grandmother very clearly, um, and and loves piss jokes. Um, like that's so for me to see him in this role where he's absolutely unlikable. Um, and then see him in this role where he is uh, just manipulate, just manipulating everyone, teetering on his own sort of like he's having the worst days of his life, and we are watching all of that anxiety and all of that fear and all of that awkwardness. And awkward was the was the word that that um, uh, Mary May used. Yeah, um, he just made you feel awkward and uncomfortable. Well I think you bring up a good point there, though, because we we've seen this with several like like comedy um, actors in the past. Like the the first time you saw Robin Williams as like a bad guy, or like <laughs> Steve Carell when he played the little murdery uh, wrestling coach. You know, um, it, it's 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 really interesting to see like these people that used to make us laugh with fart jokes in a very serious role. But like them as people, they want to come out, they want to be actors, they want to, you know, they're probably, I mean, I would never get tired of fart jokes, but maybe, you know, if you're getting paid for it, there's a certain point in your life where it's like, I want to do something different. But it's interesting, though, the, and I think, uh, I, I think it's very interesting how it almost adds an extra element of uh, intensity when you see someone that you've known in these roles come out and play something different when they do it well. Yeah, I mean, going through uh, his, I mean, just his bio, he's got some, he's got some movies where he's done, where he's played a whole bunch of different characters in one, but I've never seen him, you know, no, it's like, maybe it has to be something with like, once you've done this many dick and fart jokes, you're now a master and now you can touch on emotion. And now you can, because, because you've mastered the piss part, um, you're able to reach a place that other folks can't, uh, can't reach. So um, you, you, if you're Jim Carrey. Well, it's a you, natural progression. Absolutely. You know, like you've been the sad clown. You, you know, imagine, imagine a, a world uh, and a reality where Harold and uh, uh, Harry and Lloyd are, are like, that's, that's their world world look like from from their perspective how do you play that role 
and you play it with heart and you play it with, with, with character and, and with dignity. Um, you're able to, to, to do that, then shit, man, of, of course you can play the, the bad guy in the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. If you can do, if you can do that, if you, if you can be, um, not Sideshow Bob, Sideshow, Fire Marshal Bill. If you can do Fire Marshal Bill, okay, then, then you can be uh, in Sonic. That's how it goes. Basically, basically, I, not Street Fighter to the movie. <laughs> not to go into a completely different direction, but um, I, 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 I was wondering, um, are you a Sideshow Bob or Sideshow Mel fan? I like Bob. I like Bob. Big fan of Bob. More Bob. Says a lot about you as a person. No. <laughs> uh, you know, I. I don't know. It's, it's it sounds weird to reminisce over these sorts of things, but um, I remember making out with this female bouncer who looked like. <laughs> you know, she just had the side blown out hair. And I was like, I'm not going to say no to this lady. She can bust my ass. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just imagining like a, that somewhere there has to be some kind of sideshow Bob fetish somewhere. <laughs> like there's got to be a group that meets. Oh, is, that, is it rule 42, rule 52? There's a website that, yeah. And uh, every kink. No, rule 24. Rule 24. No, if there is, yeah, there is porn of it. I I may have the the rule wrong, by the way, but it is from 4chan. Yeah, one of the rules website. <laughs> um, so this is weird with the slight delay in everything. Uh, with you know, the slight I, delay in everything, there's like I say stuff, and then periodically you guys, yeah, I know. this is this is like we're we're using Netscape. <laughs> You start saying over and Roger. <laughs> What's your handle? <laughs> Age, sex, location. <laughs> Dude, but, um, that's a throwback. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> it must be really rough for late night TV hosts right now because I, you know, because I'm used to getting like an immediate response to something I say and then like occasionally it lags and you guys just sit there like with blank like stone cold stares at me and I'm like oh fuck I bombed and then the reaction hits <laughs> so there yeah yeah and then I'm like I'm a it's roller an coaster. emotional roller coaster yeah <laughs> so what I need you to do when you're gonna when you think you've got a solid like a solid uh, a solid you know, solid bomb just throw your hand up and like we'll shut the fuck up can we change this view? I'll just keep my hand up the whole time. Perfect. Uh, it's like it's like it's like being great. I do think though uh, we I mean um, you know once everything gets cleared up and you know we're we're, we're good on the COVID thing, um, I I think we should get beds. <laughs> in red run because like broadcasting from a bed is absolutely amazing 
I don't see the problem. I, I think that that could be, there was some um, shit. I, I guess it was Bob Geldof's wife. Um, she is no longer with us and neither is her, uh, her husband for, um, uh, Australian guy, lead singer of, uh, of NXS. We have computers. We can just look this up. Uh, uh, so Bob Geldof's wife hosted. Terry. Huh? Yeah, yeah, there. There's a laptop. There you go. Um, you've also got your phone. This guy's magic. Um, so Bob Geldof. That was your num. That was your only job. <laughs> um, his teacher, or his teacher, his wife did have a a, a bed, uh, like a, a show where interviews were conducted in a bed. It was like in bed with whatever her name is. Um, yeah, but it was his. I believe their daughter Peaches is dead as well. Polly Yates. Polly Yates. It would have been Polly Yates who was married to McCutcheons. Um, they got ma- or they got divorced. Yeah. Yeah. She. Yeah. She's married to McCutcheons, and she was the person that said that um, McCutcheons didn't kill himself. It was autoerotic asphyxiation. Mm-hmm. So that's when your girl was like, "I don't want you to. I don't want people to think he was depressed. He was just a freak." Yeah. Well, I mean, I think if you spend enough time, like, touring the countries, staying in a hotel room. I mean, I guess you run out of... You know, that's an interesting thing, too. You know, why is autoerotic asphyxiation, like, solely done in hotels? Well, I'm sure there's a conspiracy about that one. Um... Why? Why did? If uh, not, stay tuned. No. So, one of those things you can you can look into on your own is is, um, celebrities committing suicide. Um, There's a lot of them, and I don't want to get into people's names and ruin people's days. There's a lot. All you have to do is turn on uh, your Facebook or your Instagram feed and see a bunch of ugly shit. You're not here for that. You are here to talk. You're here about uncut gems. Mick Hutchins masturbating for joy. All right, he wasn't sad. He was down. He was trying to do something to make himself happy. Um, he should. He, he clearly can't be ashamed of it. If it feels like you know, honestly, it's, it feels like one of those things. Like, I think you should try it at least once but it's also kind of dangerous and it's not really something you want to do with like a guide. Like, you know, you don't just skydive like your first time by yourself. You usually strapped to someone, but I also think like autoerotic asphyxiation while strapped to someone might just kind of ruin the overall experience. I don't know. I, I think maybe you do. T- if you're doing it, it's your first time doing it. You get a spirit guide. You get a, 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 Jerkin Lord, like Jerkin Seer, a, a walker of, I don't know. Um, uh, I, there's got to be, they feel, feel weird. There's got to be something on, on Pornhub. Like, there's got to be a Pornhub instructional video on, like, how to do it safely. Um, because yeah. enough people have, have uh, uh, killed themselves accidentally uh, over the years, allegedly masturbating, uh, whether it's, um, was it David or Robert Carradine? David. Was it David? David. 
Yeah, David from Kill Bill. Uh, yeah. You know, um, it's very, I think it's a very interesting question. Um, why do they do it in hotel rooms? Because there's somebody home. Yeah. Um, well, I was, I was thinking, it's like, like, if I go on YouTube and I look up, like, how to change my brakes, and I change my brakes <laughs> myself, I'm terrified. But, you know, if you're, like, looking for YouTube instructional videos on autoerotic asphyxiation, do you think everyone does it the same way, or do you think it's something you develop on your own? I think it's got to be one of those things that, like, you, you learn how to do it, and then you kind of, like, figure out your own way to do it that makes you happy. Like, not everyone else is going to like, uh, you know, putting spikes into the bottom, like, the soles of their feet uh, while they're masturbating with a belt around their neck. Not everyone's going to be into that. Some folks maybe want to go a little bit lighter. Maybe they just want to put out cigarettes on their chest. I don't know. But, they, you know, it's one of those things that's like a steak. So kids, start How did you seize a steak? How do you make a steak special to you? It's, well, it's between you and, you know, uh, whoever you're making the steaks with or for. Um, but, yeah, that's, I think that's how it goes with autoerotic asphyxiation. How do you like your burger? I'm oh, and then you're always going to have that one friend that's convinced you would love it this way, even though you've already tried it. You don't. It's like, no, but you'll like my autoerotic asphyxiation. Yeah, you love. Yeah, there's always that. Like guy. you love the Coca, the Coca Cola as like a marinade base over using uh, soy sauce or vinegar, whatever, whatever it is that you're using. Um, by the way, I've been doing a lot of grilling lately. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like yet. no. Um, every time I go to the grocery store and I've looked, uh, all the the bread stuff is. I'd love to make my own buns. That'd be awesome. I'd, I'd fuck them up. Like I'd burn them a bunch before I got them while I liked. Them. But I got a welder. I make buns of steel. <laughs> By the way, it, uh, I want you to know that he makes buns of steel with his welder. He, I don't, I've never watched him bake anything with his welder, which I, I don't doubt that he could do. I'm fairly certain that he could, he could rig something up. Um, I mean, he, he bought the Suez rocket. I'll have you know the one on the YouTube channel. <laughs> the, that was him. He bought that. Yeah. Good story. We're gonna talk a lot. We'll talk about that another time. Um, <laughs> so uncut gems. Would you would you recommend it as a as a taker of time? Because it, it's a long movie and it feels like a long movie. It's it's a commitment. Um, actually, it's funny because I was. Uh, I was just having a sort of this, a similar discussion about this thing on how it's very easy to sit through like an action movie or, uh, you know, um, just like, like for the sake of making an argument quicker, um, like something like Fast and Furious, like a car chase movie or a big explosion movie. But uh, something that deals a lot in character development and drama, you have to be sort of like a it's got to be sort of your thing, or you have to have a certain level of patience. It parcels out the dopamine versus just onslaught. Series is getting good. <laughs> so, the natural. <laughs> so, uh, one of the things I enjoy the movie is that there wasn't a payoff. Like, it's not a movie I'm ever going to watch again. Um, you know, there were no good guys. There were no, um, 
there were no heroes. Um, no country for old men comes to mind. Bill, I don't know. Oh, and we lost Bill. Yeah. That's right. Now we can actually have a good podcast here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I do agree with old men. Yeah, it's you know, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely interesting because I mean, if you're into that sort of thing, and a lot of people, or more people than I thought would be, are um, that can just kind of sit there without the uh, the typical sort of hero's journey or whatever they call it. Yeah. Um, but they can just watch a film and then like leave sitting there going, okay, that that just happened. <laughs> yeah. There's so many places they could have cut it and it would have felt for me, it would have felt like, oh, okay. That was an ending conclusion. But the way it ended, it just felt like fizzled out. I know that's one of my things too on these like these super long films that ultimately just kind of fizzle out is um, I think editing is very important because there's so much stuff you could just go ahead and remove and like save me some time. Yeah. Yeah. We don't need exposition on this obscure little facet of datum that the writer, director, producers, whoever were really into <laughs> and wanted to expound at some point in their existence. I know it's uh, with, with pieces like this. I wonder how much of it is like, you know, I mean, because there's got to be like someone in the room that's going like, hey, you should, you should probably not like just tone that one down. Just like just speed that up a bit. No one cares. And then, you know, of course, there's I imagine this is like one of those films where like the writer is in absolute control. Yeah. Or the director. You know, it's obviously someone's like it's someone's Citizen Kane. I saw a reference to it. I haven't watched it yet, but somewhere there's a video that shows how uh, George Lucas' wife at the time was a, an editor, how she saved Star Wars. How it was the way that she edited the film that made it such the hit and made it make sense compared to what George initially had. Oh, I could totally believe that because the um... – like remember when they re-released Star Wars with all like the because they had now 3D digital or uh, CGI I mean um, mm -hmm. and George Lucas like added all that stuff he wanted and they actually kind of got worse yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah stuff that he cut out changed yeah you've probably heard that the Disney Plus version of Star Wars added in Rito yelling McClunky or something for some reason before you get shot? <laughs> no, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, I haven't. That's funny. The um, I think George Lucas is really good at like building a world, but I think uh, you know, he's a pretty good storyteller. But I think um, he's I don't know the guy. He just sometimes he has for all of his great ideas, he has really really dumb ideas, and so yeah. he needs like that person to stand behind him to be like, ah, yeah, let's let's not let's not do the Jar Jar Binks thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not, 
that's a character. In the next episode, we'll just have them standing on a platform. There won't be any like real communication with them. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. We're hearing about where he wanted to take Star Wars. If he had been in charge of this last trilogy, and that it would go beyond, you know, humanity and all the characters and to dealing with the wills and these extra dimensional creatures that were the ones that fed off the force and really were directing everything. Are we talking about the Scorsese cut of Star Wars and what he was going to do with it? Yeah. I thought that was um, far more entertaining than what he did with the Irishman. <laughs> Release the Scorsese. True story. I think every pod or I think every movie review should always like kind of just decay into a conversation about Star Wars. Um, Inevitably, it does. But the, uh, so we have Bill back, so we can get back on track. <laughs> I know. No, I did want to say though. Um, I, I one thing I would have loved to have seen, and I hope they do someday was um i guess in it's it's not canon but in one of the star wars books um it's uh had luke actually chosen to go to the dark side and join his father um what the star wars universe would look like and i think uh, that would be an epic movie the, the dark horse comics um did a lot of did a lot of yeah, and stuff nerd, nerd. that was my nerd test you passed <laughs> I'm I'm so bummed because um, Marvel decided to go and have their in-house publishing company, uh, or Disney decided to have the Marvel comic uh, do the comics for Star Wars instead of Dark Horse. So when that happened, Dark Horse released at a hugely discounted price everything they'd ever done digitally, and it was like four or five hundred dollars for every digital Dark Horse comic, and I missed out on it. Still kicking myself today. <laughs> Just crashing, crashing the collector's market. Just go toy yeah. it. I'm yeah. sure you could Google like everything Dark Horse has ever done, and you'll find like a link to download. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm sure that's all around it. It's been on Pirate Bay for years. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's a part of me that really feels like it, it, it absolutely should be. I want, I want artists to get paid, um, but at the same time, like art is art. And the, the problem is you can define art as anything you, you want. Um, everyone wants to get paid for whatever it is that they do. And, and so I, I love that artists release music now and it, it's a streaming service, but I feel like if you pay Marvel Comics, I, I, you know, Marvel Comics X amount of dollars a month, you should be able to read whatever you want to read as much of it as possible. Well, they have a, there's a app called a Comixology website. Um, it's got Marvel, IDW, Pop Cow, um, pretty much any of the comics. Yeah, and a lot of indie comics too. Um, they have like the friggin' Valerian, which uh, that was a huge inspiration behind Star Wars for Lucas. Um, uh, what's his name? Who did Fifth Element? He did uh, the Valerian movie. Um, that was based on this comic that was this huge influence. Uh, it's old French comic from. Uh, I don't remember if it was like 30s or 40s or somewhere, but that's on there, and that's amazing to read through. I think I think Siri's stuck in a loop. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
No, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, I had um, I, I was just rolling back to, of course, Bill keeps leaving us, but rolling back to something Bill was saying. Uh, I, I had a friend, and it was very interesting. He uh, he created a handful of albums, and he re- released them all exclusively on like torrent sites, and um, it was it was kind of neat to watch because he'd get really excited because he'd be like, 14 people downloaded my album today," but um, but it was all free. And uh, he tried to just build his whole little following on uh, by releasing his art and his music. Um, and, and back then they were, you know, I mean, they're pretty shunned upon now, but back then they were really like, you know, like you knew if you went there, you were going to get a virus type sites. But it was it was kind of neat. But the uh, yeah, the art is art comment is is very interesting, but I can guarantee he never made hardly any money off of it. Yeah. Gotta sell your merch. Yeah. Wanna, I like services like Bandcamp. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that one. Uh, you can release a lot and no. the option of setting a price for the album. We also have the option of people donating whatever they feel like uh, towards the album and being able to get it. I think that's cool. That's one thing I do is... Um, is I uh, there's a lot of stuff you can get on the internet for free that's not even it's not even like you're um, you're you know being pirating or stealing it or anything like that it's just available I try very hard to if like say there's um, a poster I like or a shirt I like or a YouTuber I like I try very hard to buy directly from them um, and that's kind of how I support. It's like you deliver me all of this content that makes my life a little better. I'm going to buy your shirt. I'm going to buy it directly from you. And it's really a pity buy. Yeah. Yeah. You get a close up. <laughs> Still have shirts available, by the way. We have that one and we have the robot making love to the crowd. Yeah. If you're listening to the audio version of this, pointing at one of his shirts that he has up for sale. It's true. But you should also go to the YouTube. I actually. Because you've got a beautiful mother and she loves you very much. Or she's a whore. You're, you're, it's good that you hate her. Horrible. She doesn't deserve you. <laughs> but maybe her lifestyle paid for your therapy, so. Who knows, man? I love you. I love you very much. No one tells you to that. Um, speaking, speaking of... Uh, I actually... Oh, I, I want to say real quick, I thought about grabbing that shirt and hanging it up behind me. <laughs> but then I didn't want to... That would have been awesome. Like, in my child's room, the smiling Unabomber <laughs> shirt. As you know, but I think that most kids should have a smiling Unabomber shirt. I don't know. I don't know why it wasn't my first inclination oh, to do kids' shirts. I should be doing two T's. My son, born <laughs> child, should come out with a woke and baked onesie. Like I, I know, like Iron Asylum make those cool, like black on black baby onesies, and I'm gonna get one of those because I love my son and I love Iron Asylum. But ultimately. I'd feel bad if he didn't have a smiling Unabomber onesie. Well, I, I told my daughter after after the smiling Unabomber tattoo, we can't do posters or shirts or anything. So can only go so far. Uh, you know, we don't want you know what? Fuck it. Let's see if we can get the shirts in uh, in hot topic. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Why not? Should, by the way, or, uh, 
49 supply company for having their clothes in uh, Zoomies, I believe. Yeah. Look at the Zoomies. They have cool shit. The, Wol the Wolkenbeck t-shirts, not nearly as cool. If you're trying to look cool and you know meet a stranger that, that's going to make love to you, um, you you're probably going to get a more interesting kind of stranger in your Wokenbeg t-shirt. But they'll probably the the one in the 49 Supply Company will probably probably be a much more mentally healthy person. Just saying, if you're going to shack up with the stranger. But unless it's Jake, uh, Jake, either Jake, by all means, uh, strange ladies. Uh, dudes and others, if you're gonna hook up with anybody. Hook up. You know what? Hook up with the two Jakes. Have a tale of two Jakes. Brings <laughs> uh, well, us to our our next film and our next series, uh, Jeffrey Epstein and the Filthy Rich documentary series, currently airing on Netflix. I know we should do that one once we figure out what's what's going on with our, our digital platform here. Yeah. Because that one's that's gonna be a long one. That's gonna be a really long one. It's gonna be a good one. Um and I think that we should probably we can find a, a lady to join us. I think it would be like if we're gonna do this, we should probably should probably be not just like the three of us. We should have like we should have a ladies uh, like temp like I don't know. I Find a girl? Sounds so terrible. That sounds like something <laughs> Epstein would say. Um, <laughs> his documentary. Uh, if we could find make girl, sure it's an adult. <laughs> totally missed your comment. Oh, I said if we could find a girl, the three of us wouldn't be around doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 